The Radical Secular, a podcast dedicated to the separation of church and state and the pursuit of justice. Email us at theradicalsecular at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at radical underscore secular. Follow us on Twitter at Radical Secular. For full video episodes, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hello, and welcome back to the Radical Secular. I'm Sean Prophet. I'm Christoph Defoe. This is our 13th episode. Ooh, it is scary, let me tell you. Uh, and I don't even really want to joke about that because uh, we have to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what happens now. Uh, we're going to talk about her life, her accomplishments, the implications of her death, and how the Dems should fight back uh, against the vacancy of this historic uh, Supreme Court seat being filled by a Republican under the Trump administration. This is heavy, folks. Not going to lie. And our next topic after that will be the wildfires and climate change and the fossil fuel mafia. And we have a new post up about that on the Just Words fallacy. And then finally, we'll talk about how all this is connected and what we can all do about it. But uh, before we get into that, I want to first remind you to make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit the red subscribe button. That's really important. And if on the podcast, give us a five-star rating. We'll take it. If you're listening, we, we hope you like the show well enough to give us that kind of rating. And it really matters in terms of our distribution. Also, tell your friends and family. We get that word of mouth out there. A recommendation is worth its weight in gold. And so, you know, you'll be helping us. Uh, reach more people. Uh, and so we really appreciate that. Also, we'd like to announce that we are now available on Amazon. So hopefully you should be able to just say to Alexa, play the Radical Secular podcast. <laughs> Hope it works. Haven't tried it yet, but uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And next, I want to plug our Just Words Fallacy medium publication. Just Words Fallacy posts weekly articles from progressive and diverse authors related to politics, religion, rationality, and justice. Just Words Fallacy is the narrative companion to the Radical Secular podcast. Our link is in the show notes. Now, let's get into the t-shirts. <laughs> Christoph, what do you got on your shirt today? All right. Um, first of all, thanks uh, for nailing that intro, Sean. Nailing it. Uh, Sean and I, you know, we work together on this show all week long, and, uh, and we bat ideas back and forth and try and figure this out. And we are building this airplane as we fly it, as we like to say. And so uh, our intro is always a work in progress. And uh, I just like to give Sean a big thumbs up for nailing oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and now my shirt. My shirt is, um, uh, this is shirt is from Podsafe. America. It is the Positive America emblem. So, and the reason why I'm wearing this shirt uh, is twofold. First of all, because uh, back when, um, right after the election, so Positive America came online right after the 2016 election. And I remember my good friend, uh, Stephanie Roth, um, who, by the way, uh, Stephanie Roth Goldberg, um, who is going to be a guest on this show at some point. Uh, shout out to Stephanie. She gave me, she, she, uh, we were on a on a skiing trip up in Vermont in February. So like it's February 17. And, and I was, we were all beside ourselves, right? I mean, this was right after the inauguration. It oh. was fresh. It was painful. Every day waking up felt like a nightmare, right? And, uh, and she, we were on the lift and she said, Oh, you got to check out this, this podcast. I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. I'll check it out. And so I, we listened to it the entire ride home, like from beginning to end. And it, became this this light this beacon 
in the mm-hmm. absolute darkness. Like, because these guys were right out of the Obama White House. First of all, the first episode. These guys are great. Is, they're just they're great. great. I mean, they're just great. Their first episode is Obama, right? Literally mm-hmm. Obama, right? So these guys are right out of, the White, out of the White House and they know politics and they were telling us like, yeah, it's bad, but here are the cards we can play. Here mm-hmm. is what we can do. Here is how, why we should have hope. Mm-hmm. And that was something I really needed. And I think that was something I needed this morning because we need it now. We need it now. We need it now. We need that hope now. And, uh, and the second thing is positive America is uh, I like to think of us here on the radical secular as like a cooler, less white and more hardcore version of positive America. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're not doing the same thing here, but we are talking I'd about politics. We're talking love to about be able stuff. to fill their shoes. Let's just yeah, say that, you know, exactly. <laughs> let's do that. Let's say that. So, um, we would love to, we, we would love to be able to, uh, to step in, step in and, and sort of, uh, and be part of, part of that movement. So anyway, um, that's my shirt today and everybody, um, on all, so everybody can see it. I'll just uh, stay away. Step away from the microphone for a second. Awesome. Yes. Uh, and if you can, if you're watching, uh, if you're listening, it's got, uh, it's basically, um, uh, Ab- uh, not Abraham Lincoln. I'm sorry. Um, George Washington with pod with like air with AirPods with air, uh, um, AirPods in his ears. Um, and so that's sort of the image with positive America across the top. So, uh, shout out to positive America and shout out to, uh, us becoming positive America one day. One day. All right. Well, my shirt, obviously, it's, it's you know, pretty, but pretty on the nose. I was waiting for a time to wear Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I had no concept in my wildest imaginings, you know, between now and the election that I would be wearing it for her death. So here we are. And of course, it says, I dissent, and it has her with one of her famous collars, which are very symbolic for anyone who doesn't know about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She wears a different collar depending on whether she is going to dissent or whether, she, whether it's a concurrence or whatever other type of decision that it is. So uh, anyway, we have to get right into talking about her because this came up on my news feed last night. Uh, my son was driving when it happened. He almost had an accident. I was on the phone with Christoph. We were t- discussing today's mm-hmm. show, and Christoph's wife, Lindsay, came in, and I heard her in the background. I could tell something was going on that was not good. And uh, then I pulled up CNN, and it was this. So Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was really incredible because, yeah, because Sean, Sean called me last night. We were talking about the show and what we were going to talk about today. And we, uh, you know, like, like I said earlier, we had this, uh, the theme of the show today was going to be uh, related to the article that we posted on Just Words Fallacy this past week. So this past week, uh, the way the Just Words Fallacy works is that uh, we have guest authors, right? And then uh, one week and the following week, we have basically like a standard content from Just Words Fallacy, which is basically a fusion of what Sean, like uh, oftentimes a fusion between Sean and me, right? And it's basically a collaboration. The last piece was specifically in particular a collaboration in that way. And um, you knocked it out of the park, by the way. Ah, well, thank you. And uh, well, it, the bones, the bones were good, Sean. The bones were good. That, 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 and that's the key with that kind of stuff. Um, and I had, I, and we have a great time doing that kind of stuff. And so, and of course, the topic of climate change is so critical. And we're going to talk about this later. And so important. And so we were all really gung ho about talking about this this week. And talking this was going to be a climate episode. This was going to be this was going to be our climate episode. This is what yeah. we were going to talk about. And, and it was going to be all about America's longest war. And mm-hmm. and that that's not Afghanistan. In fact, there. It's a climate change war that we've been fighting 
Yeah. Um, and so, but of course this happened and, and we're talking on the phone and my wife yells and she knows by the way that I was talking on the phone with you because right, I went downstairs, Sean, and I, I put my ear pad, my, my, my earbuds in and I was like, oh, do you mind if I talk while I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z down? And she's like, no, 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 she was working this fine. So she knew I was on the phone with you. She wouldn't just come barging in into the conversation for no reason. No, well, she I mean, screamed from downstairs. She's on that occasion, you know, this is like this is like the 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 Challenger exploding or Trump getting elected or 9/11. I mean, this is it's that level of news story. So at that point, I would hope anybody would bust in. And the crazy part is, I want to I want to like I want to really look at this CNN front page so people can understand how serious this all is. I mean, this is out of the fucking twilight zone, I have to say. I mean, just here's a sample of some of the things that happened on the same day. Emails show top HHS official and Trump ally are intimidating a CDC official. I mean, during a pandemic, there's like intrigue in our government to lie to the American people. Okay, that's what's going on. Uh, White House tries to play defense with falsehoods about former Pence aide Troy. Uh, I'm not totally up on that story, but I think it has to do with the fact that a former aide to uh, Vice President Pence is now voting for Biden. And Correct. so there's a whole firestorm with that going on. Uh, the next thing is that Trump says all Americans can get a vaccine by April, but health experts say that's not likely. So you have the president contradicting his own health experts. Uh, three arrested and accused of setting up illegal roadblocks near wildfire evacuation zones. Okay, it's like dystopia on steroids. Okay, we got, we got a national disaster going on. We got yahoos out there setting up roadblocks to try to catch non-existent fucking, you know, left-wing Antifa terrorists, you know, and, and you got people like Joe Rogan promoting this horse shit. You got, I mean, he should not be a podcast host, okay? There is, like, you, there, there are journalism schools for a reason, and we, this, this whole situation, this is a war between people who actually think it's, you know, important to go to journalism school, and people like Glenn fucking Beck, who said that anybody who went to journalism school is an enemy of humanity. I'm like, what, are you, what, what, what is going on here? You know, like, it is, it's literally the world is falling apart. And, and I'm not done. I'm not done with this here. Okay. <laughs> what about Bill Barr, right? Well, we'll, we'll get to him. Okay, uh, we'll get to Bill Barr. One, yeah, this one is Milwaukee students attending online class heard fatal shots and their teacher called 911. Dystopia, okay? Stunning. Dr. Gupta on report White House stopped USPS from mailing masks. Now, this is a real scandal, okay? The U.S. Postal Service was ready to mail like five masks to every household in the United States. They were ready to go. They had like 600 million masks ready to go. Trump administration stopped it from happening, okay? That's mass murder. That is mass fucking murder, folks. There's no two ways about it. All right. Um, carjacker held a couple hostage for hours and then killed the husband, investigators say. This is all just like news items from the same day. Very right? normal day. Uh, U.S. sending armored vehicles into Syria as Trump says we are out. Okay, so contradicting his own military, once again, lying about what our military is doing. Uh, Constitution doesn't require census to be accurate, Trump administration says. So we're going to have a fake census count. Uh, and, and, and Trump says that's okay with the Constitution. All right. And I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Uh, U.S. will try to reimpose sanctions on Iran, okay? So this is part of this whole thing. We had a deal. We had a nuclear deal with Iran. Ob President Obama negotiated a good deal, and uh, Trump has just ruined it and brought us into the brink of conflict with Iran, which, by the way, this week said that it was going to take personal revenge on everybody involved with the killing of General Soleimani. All right, so we're just, this is just, this is just like a, a shit list of dystopia here if, on this one page. This is just from, this is just one day of this administration. Right, right, okay. Right. So, um, 
and that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I, I just, yeah. And right. And it's, it's just, it's, it's madness. And you add on top of that, this, so during the Trump era, there is just sort of a background noise always, right? Mm -hmm. Like these sort of things are just constantly going on in the background, almost such that we unfortunately become desensitized to them. I mean, I think that as Americans, we tend to be desensitized in general to what's going on in the world because it doesn't affect us personally and directly. But here we are actually, these are our countrymen who are, say, being shot. These are, uh, these are people who are dying unnecessarily from the pandemic because the administration decided that it was worth, that, uh, the, that the politics of the situation was more important than people's actual lives. Um, we, we could go on and on and on, and this is not even talking about Oh, remember the hysterectomy story? I mean, oh. wait, like, I mean, See, a, okay, like again, wait, wait, at a norm, on a normal add it, week, add it to the list. <laughs> on a normal week, I mean, that on a normal week, that would have been the story of the year, right? That would of have been year. of the year, Sean. That would have been huge. And here we are. We didn't. E you forgot to even mention it because it's oh. so subsumed by it had already all this other stuff. It had fallen off the front page by the time we got to today. You know? That's madness. That yeah. is madness, right? And so it, it, I think it's really important that we remember that none of this is normal and that this is uh, this sort of disorder is, is complete. It, it is just not what we're used to. I, in some way, sick way, I'm almost grateful for it. I'm not really grateful for it, but, I'm, but I'm, it, it, it's forcing people who are the bane of my existence. And those are the people who just don't pay attention to politics, right. bury their head in the sand and just go about their lives. And there's still people that are still trying to do that, right? They still are not paying attention, but, the, but more and more, it becomes more and more difficult to ignore things that are happening. When, when your house is burning down, right? It's hard to ignore. When, when the temperature is 118 degrees, it's hard yeah. to ignore, you know? These, and so these things are becoming salient issues for real people. And, and, and not to mention, of course, the, uh, the, the, the pandemic. Well, it's a race between whether or not people are going to figure out what the fuck is going on fast enough to get involved and to make a difference. And that's where we're, we're actually in a race against time right now. And that's why, so this, true. That's why this show is being called uh, Gilead with a question mark because we are headed toward Gilead, but we don't know. There's still that question mark right there. You know, we, there's, there's the unknown of what we are going to do about it, what we can do, what, what can we are we still do? capable of doing. It's like Gary Kasparov uh, just said this week, his, his point was, is when you're dealing with uh, a party that is only interested in power and you're a party that's interested in the rule of law, he says, you better take action because it only gets harder. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and we've seen this already, right? I mean, the, the Republicans have made it very clear that they were, that they are interested exclusively in power in, in accumulating power and defending power, at least as far back as um, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, because that was the time when the fundamental structure of how the American hierarchy is 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 laid out began to shift. So women decided, of course, people of color demanded rights. Women demanded rights all through the 70s and the women's movement. Gay people started demanding rights. And and as soon as these things started happening, that is when the backlash became extremely uh, more and more and more and more serious. And so right now, we, if we had had the political will 
to nip this in the bud even during before the Clinton administration, right? The Clinton administration, when things really started ramping up during the, mm-hmm. during the Clinton administration, the, the bat shittery out of the right. Newt, from Gingrich. Gingrich, Newt Gingrich. Right. That changed everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, changed everything. So my point is, and this is just speaking to your point, Sean, is that the, the faster, if we had gotten this done earlier, it would have been easier, but it, but that doesn't matter because here we are now. So the question is, what do we do now? And we, and we should, uh, yeah, well, let's tick we off now? the milestones. Let's tick off the milestones. Okay. So we got, uh, well, we had the women's suffrage. And so that's the, that's the first shot across the bow of the sure. white male supremacy of the, of the nation. And so, uh, women's suffrage, and then we had the civil rights act, uh, and then we had, the right to abortion being upheld mm, in 1973. Huge, huge. So Civil Rights Act 1964, uh, uh, abortion 1973, and gradually there's been more things ramping up. I mean, 2015, gay marriage, you know, there's, and there's a lot of other things that happened in between there, you know, the, uh, the Fair Housing Act, the Voting Rights Act, all these other things like that. So then we had started having the backlash. They, they have hated, you know, Roe v. Wade. They've hated the Civil Rights Act ever since then. They've never stopped trying to change it and put it back in the bottle. And right now we are actually getting to the moment where they're getting to the end game of that project uh, because and, and they've already succeeded in doing a couple of things like the uh, rolling back the Voting Rights Act and then of mm-hmm. course uh, getting rid of the limitations on campaign finance with mm-hmm. Citizens United and FEC versus McCutcheon and these other mm-hmm. decisions that allowed almost unlimited contributions uh, and then dark money and then now uh, the I guess it's the Helms Act that doesn't allow religious organizations to to participate in politics that isn't being enforced. It's just there's on and on and on uh, all these these ways in which the Republicans have made it easier to challenge uh, civil rights and made it harder to protect civil rights in in all ways. And so that balance has been shifting uh, on the court as well. And right now we have a situation where you know Mitch McConnell. The reason why we have the balance on the court the way it is today is because Mitch McConnell refused to let President Obama have his Supreme Court appointment in 2016. And that was the appointment of Merrick Garland, who basically they just refused. They said, nope, sorry, it's 11 months till the election. You're not getting it. And it was kind of an unprecedented obstruction. I don't know if any other president had ever been denied a Supreme Court appointment. Do you know if that? I'm actually not sure either, but I do. I know Mitch McConnell claimed uh, at the time that there was uh, that there was uh, precedent for that. I think th- there's nothing more offensive, frankly, than Mitch McConnell coming out and saying, uh, saying, coming out and saying, "Oh, uh, Ginsburg was an amazing justice and a pioneer," and she, she, uh, and she. By the way, he didn't never mention feminists or feminism in that entire statement. I read the right. entire statement because because. Be, you know, he didn't acknowledge what Ruth Bader Ginsburg was all spent her career fighting for, which is for women's right. rights and for uh, for women's uh, for w- women's issues and for civil rights and what she stood up, what she stood for on that court. Uh, there, there is a litany, Sean, of first of all, clearly dissents. Some of her dissents, because she spent so much time in the minority during her tenure, right? Mm-hmm. She wrote a lot of dissents. But beyond that, you know, where she's the second woman to ever be elected to the to, to ever be appointed to the uh, to to the court. She wrote countless opinions. She has been, and I think this is frequently overlooked. And I have a particular affiliation or connection or uh, sense of uh, 
just sense of connection to Ginsburg. First of all, because I'm a progressive and she is the, the sort of the, the progressive powerhouse. She was a progressive powerhouse, uh, intellectual powerhouse on the court for so long and such a pioneer in that way. But beyond that, I went to Georgetown Law and we were just not far from the Supreme Court at all. And she was a friend of Georgetown. So she would come on campus from time to time. And so she would walk around the campus. Her husband uh, taught, taught, uh, taught tax law. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, Marty Ginsburg. He taught. Didn't know ta- that. Ta- yeah, he taught tax law over at um, at Georgetown. I never took tax because I hate numbers. Um, but uh, but he would open the semester by saying, "I don't know if you know this about me, but my wife's kind of a big deal," um, and that was like the big joke, right? But she really was sort of a large, uh, this tiny woman with this gigantic personality and such a presence. She would stand there with her two Secret Service people, you know, and she would sit there just tiny and hunched over, but just really just so much life and energy. And so it was, it makes this, I think, so this entire thing so tragic. I mean, it, another interesting story about about uh, our. I, I I had a thing that I was going to read about her, but you guys can go read her. I'll read about her online. The, Let's put it in the show notes. I put it in the show notes. But I, yeah. but I but I did want to say this little thing, and that is, she went to Columbia Law School and also to Harvard Law School. But she uh, during one of the years of that she was. Um, that they were there. She with there with her husband. Uh, her husband was sick and couldn't go to classes. So she not only went to her classes, she went to his classes also and took notes for him. Right. This is the woman that she was. This is the person that she was. And when she left school, she couldn't get a job at a big law firm or a law firm because they wouldn't hire women. Right. This is the world that she went into, and I, I she just, changed the world. I, 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 I think the world. This there's world. no question that she is one of the greatest Americans who has ever lived. Absolutely, she's up there with Harriet Tubman and these and these and these powerful, powerful people that changed the course of uh, of American history. And and I can only imagine being a woman. Like I mean, I know when I see Barack Obama as a person of color, uh, right? Barack Obama. We all agree. Uh, at least anyone who's listened to this show very much likely agrees that Barack Obama is an amazing is an amazing man and was a really, really amazing president, despite things that we could disagree with him on. Right. Um, but it's particular as a person of color. You see, I see uh, Obama, and I see hope. Right. I see. I see. Which is funny. Right. He said hope all the time. But I see. I see progress. I see hope. I see. I see. I always used to say that one of the biggest contributions that Obama made was that every public school in America, when a kid goes in there, they see that President Barack Obama is president and there's a black man as president. That Mm -hmm. little thing matters so much. And so my point is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor before her. Um, mm-hmm. These women were pioneers and so critical. And I can imagine if you, if I were a woman, that I would be, uh, you know, particularly saddened today. It's astonishing, and I, you know, I know that there's a lot of tears. A lot of women who I know are are very, very sad about this. And it's not, you know, and and one very important point that was made is that uh, women would love to be able to mourn and honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg instead. What are they feeling? Mm-hmm. Fear. Yep. Fear that their rights are going to be taken away from them. That now the, 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 you know, the genie's out of the bottle, the thread is broken, whatever metaphor, choose your metaphor. You know, we're hanging by a thread, now the thread is broken. And that is what the overwhelming takeaway is, is just you know, a, a sense of fear and a rage, actually, that you know, now all of this progress is going to be rolled back. And I want to say, I want to be really clear here, that there are all these fake Republican calls for collegiality and honoring the memory of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
those will be forgotten so quickly. You just watch. In a couple of days, in, 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 in a week, there's going to be Twitter wars going on. There's going to be accusations going back and forth of bad faith. Uh, they're going to be both sidesing this all over the place. They're going to be talking about how, oh, it's different now because the same party controls the White House and the Senate. And they are just going to just run and steamroll this thing through. They've already talked about, uh, Trump's already said that he wants the nomination announced before the first debate. So this is... Um, there is such, this is a, uh, this is a nightmare. This is actually a nightmare. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of a little bit complacent about this. It's like, oh, well, you know, we can just expand the court and add more judges and, you know, that's going to be fine. It's not fine. Okay. This is a huge deal because you think that there's been pushback on other things. If Democrats try to expand the court unilaterally, that's going to be, uh, it's going to create a firestorm, uh, uh, even worse than what's going on right now. So, I do want to say I think there is some hope that uh, the replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg will not be confirmed because we've got Maine Senator Susan Collins, who has mm -hmm. already said she's not going to uh, participate in a vote. Uh, Lisa Murkowski has said fair is fair. She's not going to participate. Lindsey Graham initially said and he said, you can hold these words against me, you know, and he said that he didn't think it was right to, uh, to confirm a judge in the, so close to the election. And now he's turned around and he's going to do it because Lindsey Graham is a fucking jellyfish. He has no spine whatsoever. I mean, he, he's got an inflatable spine, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, unbelievable, that fucking guy. He is just, you know, and, and he has debased himself um, in a way that I think few other senators have. I and mean, they all have, don't get me wrong. They all have on the right. But Lindsey Graham in particular, he's going out there and playing golf with the guy, right? He is, and and right at right after he and you know, during the primaries, he called the guy a clown. He called him oh. just unfit. I mean, just on and on and on about how terrible he would be for Washington. And as soon as the man became president, he, he just, just, I mean. It's astonishing the lack of. He's principle. just got he's got stains around his mouth, man. This guy is just like, he's a, from kissing ass, and uh, oh it's it's it, there's a Lincoln Project ad actually showing what he was saying during the primaries about Trump, mm -hmm. and it's like it's the best ad against Trump ever because it's got Lindsey Graham just you know just roasting him. But uh, it, it's just it's just it's just I mean I can't this is unbelievable. Uh, then you got Chuck. Grassley, who says that he's going to follow something like the Biden rule. But I, I got to say that the pressure on these guys from all of their donors and funding groups is going to be fucking enormous. Mm -hmm. Any one of them. I mean, they, I, it would be a miracle if any one of those guys actually, or, or, or women, you know, even if, even because Collins is so famous, so famous for getting our hopes up that she's going to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, in the end, she's like, oh, no, I'm going to follow the party line. Mm hmm. She did it on impeachment. She's done it on yep. healthcare. She's done it on so many other things. She's, she's yep. just a, she is a spineless traitor like the rest of them. Yep. Um, and there's, there's tons of these shadowy Christian Republican dark money groups, such as the Judicial Crisis Network, the Freedom and Opportunity Fund, the Donors Trust, which is a Koch Brothers front group, uh, the BH Fund, and many others who are pushing really hard behind the scenes. I mean, they are, I got I, right now, I don't think there's ever been a more electrifying moment for Christian fundamentalists and theocrats. Oh my God. They're going to be they fired up. They are salivating. Up, they are salivating. They're fired up. They can see Roe v. Wade. They can see Gilead, right? They can see Gilead on the horizon. And that, and that is what they they want. And yet, I think it's really interesting too. And I think this is uh, sort of uh, flies under the radar a little bit. The thing about John Roberts, John Roberts is a fascinating character in general. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing there's, a, a, and, and he's conservative as hell. He is now the idol, ideological 
center of the court, which is batshit, but yeah. he is. Um, and so what, what's really interesting, I read this article about it today, out of, I think it was Vox article. Um, mm-hmm. Vox really has some really good reporting, uh, by they the do. way. They, they really, do. really do. They do a great yeah. job. They really, uh, they go really in depth on some issues that you do, that, that, that some other uh, areas, some other uh, outlets don't. Uh, Conservatives this, hate it. They they just oh hate yeah it. they hate it. They hate <laughs> it. They hate yeah. it. Well well well, well we they hate always, truth. We, they hate truth. So <laughs> and they hate they hate scrutiny. They hate yeah. accountability. They hate scrutiny. That's why it, that's why the 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 media is the enemy of the people, right? Because the media forces people to forces accountability, and that's the last thing a the the modern conservative movement wants. Um, yeah. So in this Fox article, you know. And this is, I think, one of the more terrifying elements of this. Set aside uh, abortion, which is terrifying. Um, well, let, and, let's and explain. Let's, can, we, can we stop for a second and explain Gilead? I mean, there's, uh, we, we know because we watch The Handmaid's Tale. But basically yes. what, what happens in The Handmaid's Tale is, which is a story by Margaret Atwood, which is written back in the 80s, and it's been incredibly prophetic. And what terrifying. happens in, in this show is that America gets taken over. And the first thing that happens is that there is a feminist sort of icon who turns into a Christian radical and starts speaking to women and speaking on campuses. And it's a very, very similar actually to what has been happening or what was happening a few years ago on campuses where, you know, students were, were getting people banned from campuses and, and getting them th- uh, thrown off. And there was this whole free speech debate and everything. So this woman who was this theocrat and she was, uh, she was somebody who was to the right of Ann Coulter or Sarah Palin. I mean, she was really hardcore, but she basically helped, uh, engineer a fascist takeover of the government. And one of the first things that happened was is that women were no longer allowed to spend money. Their credit cards were shut off, their bank accounts were closed, and uh, women were, were essentially relegated to the status of slaves. And so the, the, the show progresses to see what happens there with the underground. And, you know, not only were they slaves, but they were sex slaves. And if you were, so you were either a sex slave or you were working in the camps or you were uh, part of the underclass in some other way, they had the Marthas who were servants, domestic servants. And it was so, it was a, it was a really a, a society that was for women, what the 19th, uh, you know, what prior to the 19th century American society was for black people, because black people were also sex slaves and, mm-hmm. and subject to all of those t- sorts of, of, of ignominies. <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And I think you did a, a great job describing it. I, I frankly, and full disclosure, I never finished watching the show because it, it made me like ill to watch it. It's terrifying. It. So it's it, I mean, it's horribly terrifying. I got through, Lindsay and I started watching, Lindsay did watch the whole show. Um, and, but we watched, I think two seasons of it. And I was just like, I just don't, I, this isn't entertaining for me. This is awful like well, it's this is too like, close to home it's too close to home and i kept saying like this is the world that pence wants this mm-hmm. is the world that people like pence want right a place where men and women uh that were like even the sex act was there was nothing passionate about it there was no love involved in it it was it was and and then just the abuse the abuse of women as as slaves and as second class citizens doesn't even begin to describe it it it, it, it was much much well, more than that you lose uh, your rights you, you know you're you know once you don't if you can't go to a court and file a complaint that someone raped you or violated your human rights in some other way then you're a slave exactly That's exactly it, and know? if you can't and and if you and if you can't deal with things if you don't have the power to leave your situation, uh, then you are effectively a slave, which is why it's uh, the, the abortion debate 
and why and you mentioned this i think uh last time we talked i can't remember what we were talking about but you were talking about um universal basic income and why that is such an important liberation element for women to be able well, to say like you know what i can just leave here and live on my own i don't need your money couple of things there and that is that has to do both with normal relationships normal marriages and relationships where part of the intimidation for women in normal relationships is that uh, if, the, if the husband is making the bulk of the money or if, if the woman is just a housewife, then, I mean, not, I don't mean to disparage uh, women who work in the home because that work is valuable too, but in terms of the economy, it's not valued in the same way. So right. what happens to women who are in the home and they've been there for a long time, they're constantly in fear that they, if they leave, they will be destitute. So mm -hmm. the lack of a social safety net becomes a huge factor in abuse of women. And it goes double also for, uh, for sex work because women who are sex workers, you say, oh, well, they can consent, they're choosing it. And a lot of liberals do feel, and I, I agree with them, that sex work should be allowed and it, sh it should be consensual. But the problem with it is, is that when you have so much inequality in society, is the woman ever really truly consenting? If her option is to live on the street, eat out of garbage cans, or do sex work, is that truly consent? So exactly. UBI, UBI enables, uh, empowers women in a huge way. And this is the reason, it, you know, with Republicans, it's not about the money. I mean, we saw the Republicans mm -hmm. voted for these stimulus funds. They released, you know, $3 trillion. Uh, a lot of it went to corporations, but a lot of it went to the American people. Mm -hmm. And so if they could do that now, why can't they do that under normal circumstances? Sure. Why sure, can't we sure. set the tax rates in such a way that we can have that sort of assistance to people under normal circumstances? And the reason why? Hierarchy. And we always Hierarchy. come back to this. Always come back to this because that's what it always is. And, and I think about this all the time. I know you do too. And I've thought about this long and hard over many, many years. And I hear arguments of people saying... Um, you know, take conservatism, take conservatism seriously. Conservatism has good ideas and think about what they, the value that value that conservatism brings. And look, I mean, I think that they're like, you know, to, to, to be as uh, nuanced about this as possible, because I think nuance is important. Um, there's value in, um, in things that they say they care about things like, uh, personal responsibility, uh, things like, um, things like, uh, like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, you know, personal responsibility, uh, personal growth, taking 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 care of oneself. I think all these things are important. I think there's there's value in in our traditions, right? Um, if they're you know assuming that they're you know sort of uh, don't don't hurt other people, there's value in those things. But again, well, none of that stuff. But let me finish. None of that sure. stuff. None of that stuff is particularly conservative, though, right? Those are just good ideas in terms of being a human being. But what what. In the end, what conservative always comes down to, when you really, really boil it down to, is always someone with power trying to defend that power and against people who want to share it with them. It is always that, and it's always, and that comes down to hierarchy. Well, yeah, I mean, look, we, we, people, people can be assholes. We know that. And I think that any situation where if you provide for someone, uh, if you give them a place to live, if you feed them and house them, uh, uh, they could slack off and do nothing and not contribute to society. They could also, you know, use that time to, you know, I don't know, do all the things that Republicans accuse them of doing, take drugs, foment revolution, you know, all these <laughs> foment kinds of revolution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not working, you have lots of time on your hands to cause right. trouble, right? So this right. is what, right. these are the things Republicans say. But <clears throat> what I say in return to them is that, you know, a lot 
more people will use that time constructively and they will uh, work on themselves. They'll go back to school. They might even take, you know, even if they're getting a basic income, they take a job so they can have more money. Uh, they would, you know, make art or music and enrich our culture. They, they could volunteer. They could teach children. They can, you know, uh, take the time to go back to school and learn psychotherapy or uh, any podcast. other. Do a podcast. Yeah, any, whatever it is that you want to do. There are many, many constructive things that don't involve compensated labor. And so I think that they use this fear of people becoming ne'er-do-wells to uh, block any sort of, of help. But what it's really about, it, they're lying. They're lying about that. That's not their concern. Their concern is that it will equalize society and they will no longer have the underclass. They will no longer be able to shit on women and people of color. And they will no longer be able to, because it's also a matter of negotiation, right? Because if you are wanting somebody to work for you, if you're a corporation, and say the basic income is equivalent to like, you know, I don't know, minimum wage now, uh, you're going to have to offer them something more like $15 an hour if you want them to come to work for you. Otherwise, they'll just sit home and collect the minimum wage. You know, so this is why the, the devil is in the details of these programs if you're going to go for, uh, if you're going to go for something like that. Yeah, I think that's right. I, you know, the universal basic and well, let me, I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of this idea that there are going to be a bunch of people now, if you give people say $15 an hour, whatever that comes out to over the course of a year, and everybody just gets that right, regardless of how much money you make, how little money you make, everybody just gets it right. Mm -hmm. And that is the idea of UBI universal basic income, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, and non binary people out there. So, and I think that's really important. So, uh, but what, what, you know, people don't want to be idle really, right? And look, there, like, let me, actually, let me start this way. There's going to be some people that really will just sit around and do drugs all day. They and really we have will. to tolerate that. And we, we have, have to, to tolerate, tolerate that. that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing where it's the same thing with, in terms of like our, uh, you know, in terms of government. There's always going to be some level of corruption. We can't, mm -hmm. this is, we're human beings. This is a problem with human beings, right? Mm -hmm. This is just a problem. You can create incentive structures and we should, there should be risks and rewards for, for, for there should be benefits and, and burdens for various behavior that helps sort of funnel people's behavior in the way we want them to funnel it, you know, like stop signs and seat belts, right? Laws, right? Yeah. This sort of thing controls mm -hmm. people's behavior. That is good. But at the same time, most people aren't going to uh, run stoplights, rot stop signs and stoplights, just, if, just if, if the law doesn't force them to, right? If the, if the right. law doesn't force people to stop at stoplights, most people are still going to stop at stoplights because they don't want to die. And it's the same thing with, with in terms of UBI, I think. An analogy can be made here. It's like, look, yes, of course, some people are going to take advantage, but mm -hmm. most people aren't. Most people aren't. Most people are going to want to do what they want to do, and they're going to be, be able to be yeah. productive and, and contribute to society. Mm -hmm. in a way that they are best able to contribute to society, not in a way that some capitalist forces them into some box that they have to do, that they have to have and be miserable right. for their whole lives. And we can't even, here's the thing, like you and I are having this discussion, a lot of other people are too, Andrew Yang and you know, a, lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of people are seriously, and, and serious economists too, are, are sure. having this conversation about UBI, but none of that will matter if we get a right-wing ideologue on the court. And that is why we have to talk about this. And we also have to talk about what the Department of Justice is doing because oh, God. All, of this, all of this really, uh, if we want to have a better society, we cannot have a corrupt government. We, can't, we have to have accountability first and foremost in the government. We're talking about you know, citizens 
business, you're worried about somebody sitting on the couch. Well, what about the people who work for the public, who are on the government payroll, who are corrupt and who are basically, you know, funneling money to their cronies and who are corrupting the law in every way. And so you've got, you know, William Barr is exhibit A. William oh Barr is, is the most corrupt uh, attorney general, I think, is crook. we've ever had in the United States. You know, just like he is, he is the polar opposite of someone like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is driven Absolutely. by ethics. He is, a, he is an ethical monster. And the reason he's an ethical monster uh, isn't just because he's, a, he's, not, you know, he's not like a gangster, okay? He is a theocrat. And that, that is our primary focus on this show is, the, is, is to really expose, because I don't think people understand really how bad theocracy is and how much William Barr's Catholicism has to do and his, his, his twisted idea and concept of how government should be. And, and the way that the government should be, according to William Barr, is that it should be based on loyalty and, and, and uh, loyalty to God over the Constitution and loyalty to uh, Catholic dogma. That is what he's trying to make into the law of the land. And so you get him saying these just outrageous, outrageous things. I mean, you know, he, for example, he compared the lockdown orders that were, that were, that were issued by states to slavery, to actual slavery. I just, Why is it? just so fucking offensive. Just so offensive. deeply, deeply offensive. <laughs> On, on two ways, you know, of course, it's, it's, it's an offense to the memory of slaves and the people who actually endured that and the people who are still suffering from the effects of that, okay? And, and, and furthermore, <clears throat> what he's really upset about is that, you know, middle class and rich white Americans were affected by this thing, right? And uh, so it's a slap on science and public health. Like, instead of just going, okay, yes, this is a, this is, obviously, we're not trying to keep people in their houses for no reason. We're trying to keep them there so that they can be alive. You know, it's just like, I mean, you you literally have to talk to these people like little children to, Mm -hmm. to, but the, and the worst part about it is they know, they already know this is, this is the bottomless pit of bad faith that you always talk about. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, look, he's, he's calling it like it's house arrest. Uh, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint. This is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. I mean, did he forget about the fucking concentration camps we run for Japanese and the ones that we're running right now and the hysterectomies? Like literally in the news as we speak. I mean, what about Jim Crow laws? I mean, what about the black black codes? What about the 13th Amendment? I mean, come on. I mean, it's astonishing. And like you say, it comes from this place of... These people believe that uh, Judeo-Christian sort of uh, um, civilization is under attack. So they uh, and and what and but what they really mean by that? Because first of all, it isn't. But what what they really mean by that is that the hierarchy on in which Christy Christian men are run the run the entire show is under attack and in that sense they're absolutely right they're right it is under attack and that attack has that attack started i mean it started basically at the beginning of the country right in various ways and accelerated with modernity and uh (laughs) and and so and and progress the founders, if you believe their rhetoric, you know, they said all men are created equal. Well, if you, I mean, we have to modernize that phrase. It's all people are created equal. Mm-hmm. And, and because at the time they just, you know, the women didn't have suffrage. So they didn't think that anything of it. But, you know, if, if we, we can't fixate on the fact that they were talking about men there, because what they really meant, it's clear they were using men uh, in the sense of mankind. Exactly. And, and so, exactly. you know, uh, all of us are created equal. And that's what they said. That is what the Constitution is based on. And 
you know, they don't. That is it. that is inconsistent with theocracy, right? That is inconsistent yes. with bar. It's inconsistent with Pence. It's insignificant. It's inconsistent with this entire administration. The entire administration is based on this concept of, like you say, loyalty and this idea of hierarchy. I mean, that yeah. is the whole thing. And so they abhor abhor and so when you have mitch mcconnell come out with his like with this shit statement talking about oh yeah well uh yeah uh, you know ginsburg was this and she was an amazing jurist and blah 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 like i mean he's talking out bottom his ass. Pit of bad faith i mean the bad faith is astonishing it really really is and it would be astonishing frankly if it wasn't so 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 normalized and i find particular this argument that 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 is coming out of the gop now which i i wonder if they oh if they had this argument in the in the drawer just in case ginsburg died because they could their, their argument right their argument suddenly is like oh no 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 the last time when we denied it which was nine months out when we denied obama his his appointment right that was different than this time because the Senate was held by the Republicans. And, right. it, and, and so that is now the argument. And again, what a bad faith argument. It is an obvious, just like it is. And, and this, you know what this reminds me of, Sean? And I was talking, you know what? I was going to talk about uh, the Voting Rights Act before and John Roberts because John Roberts has, John Roberts has a sordid, sordid history with the, with the uh, Voting Rights Act I read mm-hmm. this morning. He mm-hmm. hates the Voting Rights Act. And yeah. the main thing he hated about it, I think, was Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, I think, is, it's, is the part that makes it such that um, when, if a plaintiff who is suing uh, to say like, look, my I'm not. Uh, this law violates my right to vote. He has, he or she has to prove that the person who the the organization, the uh, politicians, whatever that created the law, did so specifically with racial intent, right? And so mm-hmm. that that is the argument that that uh, that is uh, that is that is that it guts it guts the law, right? It's because a bad for, faith for, argument. It's a bad, bad faith argument because what you're con- it concerned with is outcomes, right? You're not exactly. you're not concerned with. And that's the difference. And that's and that's what I that's what I that's what I'm getting at here is that Republicans like to hang their hat on technicalities and say like, well, yeah, well, yeah, it's it, it's this law is facially neutral. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't directly um, uh, target people of color or or young people. But they know that its effect its effect is to disenfranchise people of color. And so, again, a bad faith argument, and, and this is the entire philosophy of on the right, but particular John Roberts, Roberts. and that's why this, this court becoming that conservative will give Roberts the, 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 the majority, the, the, the uh, sort of veto-proof majority, I'm using that term loosely, um, on the court, to be able to truly uh, like eliminate whatever little shreds are left in the Voting Rights Act to mm-hmm. really get rid of those, he is from the beginning of his career when he was when he was Rehnquist's uh, he was Rehnquist's uh, clerk uh, mm-hmm. during uh, when Rehnquist in the eighties, and he he had an axe to grind about the Voting Rights Act since then. Since then, yeah. Well, and and so you, in order to really understand how dangerous this all is, you got to you got to understand the one-two punch of having a right-wing SCOTUS and somebody like Barr in the Justice mm-hmm. Department. Because mm-hmm. let me just read to you what Barr said. Okay, he is essentially, you know, he's still he's going at this is him still going after the states, and he says uh, most of the governors do what bureaucrats always do, which is that they defy common sense. Well, who's common sense? 
right? I mean, they're following science as far as we know. And uh, so Barr said, they treat free citizens as babies that can't take responsibility for themselves and others. And this is such bullshit because we know that, I mean, are you treating uh, citizens like babies when you put up a stoplight? Exactly. So fucking stupid. We know that systems have to, in order to function, systems have to have, you know, gates and restrictions and, you know, you have to do this if you want to do that. And, you know, so the, the idea here is, is that, you know, you have to wear a mask if you want to go out in public. It's your choice. You know, you don't have to go out in public, but you, you can wear a mask. And so, you know, this is, he's basically, uh, what he's really doing is treating citizens like babies. Like, they, you know, like they should have the right to go out and stamp their feet and walk into a Costco without a mask and the Costco shouldn't be able to kick them out. You know, things like that. That's, this is the mm-hmm. type of, of, of ludicrous nonsense that Barr is, is, is pushing. And, and then what? He has the audacity to compare his own prosecutors in his own justice department to, wait for it, preschoolers. Unbelievable. Okay? Unbelievable. And why would he do that? Okay, so a top prosecutor in the probe into the origins of the investigation of President Donald Trump and Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election has quit, reportedly in part due to fears that political concerns were behind pressure to produce a report before the probe's work was completed. So you've got you've got Bill Barr. Basically, he wants to produce a political document to impact the election, to swing the election, to somehow allege that, you know, President Obama and somehow peripherally Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and all the boogeymen uh, uh, went after Donald Trump with the, using the Justice Department uh, uh, under the Obama administration, you know, to unfairly investigate. They're trying to turn this into a criminal investigation, okay? And they want to release this thing in October, all right? And so, prosecutors are, you know, some of the top prosecutors in the country, and that was um, Nora Danahy, She's uh, the top aide to U.S. Attorney John Durham. She resigned and, let's see, she said nothing about political pressure. But the newspaper also reported that uh, colleagues said Danahy is not a supporter of President Donald Trump and has been concerned in recent weeks by what she believed was pressure from Attorney General William Barr, who appointed Durham, to produce results before the election. They said these, she- are, these are just examples, too, Sean, of the... Uh, gaslighting, right? Like, so uh, not even gaslighting. That's not really a true projection, right? It's, it's, it's these officials, someone like Barr going and saying, you know, pushing for this investigation about, about the boogeyman, right? You know, yeah, I'm sure it probably involves people with pink pussy hats and like, you know, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and Antifa and, and I don't know what other boogeyman we can pull out of a hat right that 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 they love on the right but anybody who's saying, against trump anybody who's exactly. against trump for any anybody reason who's on, for any reason at all mm-hmm. um and oh, oh illegals right uh i did air quotes by the way out there because i would never say that word seriously um anyone who is that sort of a boogeyman on the right so yeah, like they they go ahead and say like oh yeah these people are doing this investigation and they're trying to take down donald trump and they're doing legal and they and they they say this and they're it's exactly what Barr is doing right so he's doing even, it himself he's literally doing it his ex- himself right and same thing with but you know trump goes out there uh, during the rallies and says like the only way that they the democrats can win is if the election is rigged and it's like no 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 he's the rigging only it. way that you can win is if right. the, the, the the electoral college is essentially a rig right because it's essentially a rig because really what what it is is that we know it, it just says we don't care what the people say we don't care what a d- d- democratic vote yeah. says we're going to do x so we're going like, to use yeah, 
every technicality to, uh, to, to stop people from voting, to uh, amp up our voters and, and suppress your voters. Exactly. And, and, and it's being done, you know, also uh, against the backdrop of, you know, an investigation the Justice Department is doing into Hunter Biden. Right, there's, you've right, got just like what, and talk about waste of taxpayer resources. I mean, what, what? I mean, this fake ass investigation. These investigations cost millions of dollars, right? I mean, every day people have to go to work. They get paid. They're not doing this for free, right? They could be doing other things that are useful, but instead, oh. you have a bunch of prosecutors running around chasing geese. Yeah. So this, it's, it's honestly, this is, you know, uh, th- this is the state of the justice department. It's a complete corrupt mess. It's getting worse. And against this backdrop, we're contemplating seating another member of this Republican mafia on the highest court. It's a five alarm fire, uh, uh, man. I just don't even know what to say. I, I know what you mean. And you know, what I've heard, uh, what I've heard on Facebook, and I think we should definitely uh, put this in the show notes. And that is call people, right? Like, right. We can talk on, we can talk here and we should talk here and we can talk on Facebook and we should talk on Facebook and sort of spread the ideas to get people um, worked up about what is going on here and, and, and understand the stakes. Um, but what we can, what we can do also as voters and as constituents is call the hell out of these people, right? Call the hell out of these senators. And yeah. that kind of pressure really does work, right? And yeah. uh, we've, we saw this during the fight for the Affordable Care Act early in, in 17. We mm-hmm. saw that, uh, we saw that and it worked, right? Um, this, they feel the heat. They really do feel the heat. And it's a lot harder for, for those senators to ignore, um, it's a lot easier easier for them to ignore the will of the people if they don't hear from you, right? If they think, well, if, they, if they're just in the Washington eco chamber, you know? They're running for office right now. And exactly. in a lot of cases, you know, they're running behind. So yep. it's very likely, it's very possible, in fact, that uh, we may get some defections. And that's, that's, I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're hoping. And that's not, all we can hope for. We're not praying that, because praying doesn't do anything. Maybe this no. doesn't either, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> this definitely doesn't do anything. We're both crossing our fingers, by the way, for, for the listeners out there. We're doing like our fingers crossed. And we all know that that kind of shit is bullshit, right? That is what we, we are, uh, Sean and I are atheists. Uh, you don't have to be an atheist out there to listen to this show. But, uh, but uh, if you really believe that crossing your fingers, works well i've got a bridge over the over the east river uh i'll Get give out. you a really <laughs> good price i'll give you a really good price really good price just for you just for you just for you really good price <laughs> uh, well we got to take a look at this at the short list of nominees i think you and i pretty much know who it's going to be here and i think it's going to be uh amy coney barrett that's the one yeah. that all the theocrats are looking at and yeah. uh, just salivating over yeah. you know and she is a member of a very conservative <laughs> catholic sect you know coinky dig here we got the catholics yeah. coming yeah, in to take over figure. the government, you know, uh, it's called people of praise and her writing shows that her faith has played a significant role in how she sees the law. In 1998, she co-authored a law article arguing that Catholic judges should be able to recuse themselves from cases that would force them to act immorally. Okay. Well, so again, they're putting their personal morals, Mm -hmm. they're injecting that into their job. They're being paid by the government to do a job, which has to do with civil society, with civil society, not with, uh, you know, their religion, they really have religious freedom, but they should not be bringing that into their position. And these guys are expressly trying to change the long trend uh, and the long uh, precedent that, that, that people should not be bringing their personal, you know, a judge's particular, a judge is specifically, specifically you know, prohibited I, from doing that. 
Exactly. And, and I think this is a really great point to sort of hammer a great uh, opportunity here for us to hammer home what we talk about when we talk about radical secularism, um, when we talk about secularism in general. And that is, right, it's not that we think that that judge shouldn't have her religious beliefs, right? It's no. not that I don't think that you should have your religious beliefs. I don't care if Mike Pence has his religious beliefs. I think they're batshit crazy. And I do think that religious beliefs in general are pretty fucking nuts. But look, keep you look you can do whatever the hell you want i'm also it's america it's america i'm you know i'm a i'm a left libertarian in that way right and then Mm -hmm. in the sense that like look do whatever the hell you want but keep it the fuck out of our government because once we become once it gets into the government then now what you're doing is you're legislating your faith into my life you and 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 that is one of the hugest problems right with the right as it exists right now. And what ended up happening, really, I think, Sean, and maybe you'd be able to comment on this too, is like a long time ago, the business, the business right, the right, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the made a deal with the devil. And they said, look, we can re, we, you know, when we lost a lot of people um, early on and, uh, you know, after the Democrats and Republicans flipped during the 60s, right? There's a, the Republicans basically were scrambling to mm-hmm. find people to fill those gaps, right? And so what they did was like, hey, well, the business people, the, the hardcore business people said like, look, we got the evangelicals out here and we got the racists. Let's, let's form a coalition based on that. And that's essentially what we, and they've been riding that tiger now for, for over, almost a century. And the tiger's now starting to, the, the tiger's taken over, right? They're like the t- tiger's taken over. Hey, Barry Goldwater warned them about this. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, if this ever happens, holy shit. I don't have the quote memorized, but that's basically what he said. Yeah, that's more and, or less what he said. Holy shit, and, dude. <laughs> and, 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 and what happened is, is that, you know, in 19, I think it was 53, was the first national prayer breakfast with the family and Eisenhower. That's when under God was added to the mm-hmm. Constitute or to the Pledge of Allegiance. And that is when, you know, essentially the, the express religious influence started coming into the government. And, and it really was a shameless uh, power grab in the sense that what religion was saying is we're no longer about uh, being meek and, and kind and loving and all mm-hmm. the things that Jesus talked about. We are for power and mm-hmm. we are going to use our power to, we're going to get everybody involved. We're going to get Democrats. We're going to get Republicans. And in the, in this case, it was a Republican, you know, Eisenhower who, who started that, that prayer breakfast, but every democratic president since then has gone to every prayer breakfast. Yep. So it's like, this is a power organization that has infiltrated. And I, I don't want to both sides this. Okay. By the way, because, because Democrats are much, much better on secularism. I mean, oh, much definitely. better. It's, it's, what's happened, though, is Even as they're religious. Even as they're religious, right? Even like, the right? religious ones. Exp- explicitly religious, right? So, I mean, people, not only they say that they're religious, but they say it's a huge part of their lives, right? Biden yeah. says that well, he is a practicing example, Catholic. It's a huge, important thing to him. But he understands that that doesn't mean he gets to force it on everybody else. Well, and that's the thing, you know, Hillary Clinton also is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is, is religious and she talks about it a lot in her book. I mean, she's, she, her faith sure. is important to her, mm-hmm. but you don't ever see her proposing theocratic legislation. Exactly. Why is that? Why is that? You know? <laughs> um, exactly. So, so you've got, you've got uh, a situation where I think Democrats participate in the national prayer breakfast because it's been inculcated into our process of governing. You sure. have to be there. It's, it's become, you know, it's become a, a, a an institution really. Sure. And so, you know, but the, it, it, what, what is scary and what, what you start understanding when you start understanding the connection of Russia and the money with Trump and everything else like that is that the family has made major inroads into Russia. 
And that was in the documentary as well. So mm -hmm. you start seeing that, you know, all of these incredibly corrupt dictators around the world are latching on to the Christianity in the same way that the Republicans so have true, dude. latched so onto true. it in the United States. So, you know, so Amy Coney Barrett is, is a part of that. She is a part of that whole, that just whole, just, you know, I don't even know what to call it, heavy hand of, of, of theocracy coming down. And so, you know, and you could really look at it in her judicial philosophy, which is, you know, there's seven statements that I'm going to go through here, I think are very important for people to understand. And by the way, even if she's not the choice, the other choices will have similar writings because they have been vetted by these Christian uh, organizations and by the Federalist Society to have these specific qualifications, uh, which, which have to do with textualism, which have to do with the uh, theocratic beliefs where they have actually stated expressly, which is her first thing, which is uh, a means to an end. A legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. That is, oh my God, that's terrifying. Oh okay. my God, that's terrifying. That's the first thing that she said. Now, the second quote is, judges cannot, nor should they try to align our legal system with the church's moral teachings whenever the two diverge. That's a dodge that I can't, I don't, I don't believe yeah, that I for mean, a second. Would, yeah, exactly. But she says then, you know, they should, however, conform their own behavior to the church's standards. So what does that mean? What does yeah. that even mean? I think that that's a really vague, uh, probably deliberately vague uh, question. I can, when she gets in front of the Senate, this would be really interesting. I think that one of the things that I think that the Democrats can do is basically drag out those hearings as long mm -hmm. as possible. And I think that you'll probably see that. So this, I think I, I'm really interested to hear it's we this only happened yesterday so we're, the, the news we're reporting on this isn't extensive in terms of what the Democrats are doing to defend mm. right because you know they're gonna fight this well, as hard as they can fight it one thing they can do is is is, is, <laughs> is say that they're gonna pack the court on the back end right yeah maybe we could say explain that. what we could explain well, what packing the court is I think court packing is that we can add if you know if we control the Senate and if we control the presidency we can add judges to the Supreme Court. So we could appoint yeah. liberal judges to counterbalance the conservatives. So instead of nine justices, there would be 11 or 13 or whatever. Exactly. And it's important to note that, that the number of justices is, uh, is not in the Constitution, right? right. That, is, that is a matter of, that's a matter of statutory law. So that can be changed by the Senate. That can be changed, right? That can, that can be changed in the Senate, mm -hmm. in, the, in the judicial, in the, in the sort of the legislative process. And, then, and, then, and so that is a, a, a theoretically, theoretically, a, um, a, a, an avenue, but really it's just a negotiating tactic, really. I mean, right? yeah, I mean that's just a card to have in your pocket. I mean, I don't think any, anybody's seriously going to do that. Just, just because of the backlash would be so, so strong, I think. It'd be a firestorm. Well, you know, what's happening is that the Republicans, they see this, this is their shot. This is their shot to finally, you know, to, to basically break the rule of law in the United States and to institute uh, their authority and hierarchy-based system that is, that is answerable to God, you know, as their, which is a dodge. We, we've gotten into that before. Yes. I mean, if you say you speak for God, well, who's checking? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, right. It's, and that's the thing, because God's, as we know, is not going to show up and say anything. So then, so basically, you just get to call the shots, right? I mean, what, what, what does that even mean, you know? When somebody says God, when it has to do with politics, they mean me, they mean dictatorship. Exactly. And when people say, and uh, similarly, interesting uh, side point, because people say this all the time, when the people say the American people want, they said they really mean my coalition wants. That's exactly. what they really say. It's the same thing. So um, let me get back to 
Amy Coney Barrett, and mm-hmm. her next statement was that she did not think it was ever appropriate for a judge to apply their personal convictions, whether it derives from faith or personal conviction. So again, she's contradicted herself right there. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, on the one time, say that the end of your, you know, judicial service is building the kingdom of God, and yet it's not appropriate for you to ever apply your personal convictions. It's just, it's a completely, she's contradicted herself hopelessly, and there's no resolving that contradiction. No, and the only reason why she says that is because she knows she has to, right? Because, right, so what she's done there is on the front end, she said she's satisfied the Christian right. I'm sure she's a, I'm sure she's a very, um, a very ambitious person. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't get to where she is unless she is a very, unless you are a very ambitious person. She knows that to get this, to get to where she wants to, and she's you know charted her path via Christianity, which I'm sure she believes wholeheartedly, which is why it's so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but she also realizes that one day, if she wants to be on, on the Supreme Court or be a circuit court judge, she would have to answer questions. And so, answering questions means she has to be sound, like she's partial, right? And right. And especially because she's a woman, she knows she's probably going to get more get have a heavy heavy uh, heavy uh, scrutiny. Unlike a guy like Kavanaugh, who like rapes people and then and 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 then just jumps on the court, right? Uh, that's that, that. There's your male privilege for you. She's working at both ends of this. She's trying to because exactly. she knows she has to convince the theocrats that she's going to do their bidding. She's not going to yep. pull a, a Gorsuch, you know, and, exactly. and change, 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 you know, was because Gorsuch, Gorsuch, you know, handed down a decision supporting transgender rights, and yeah, they so, are okay. furious. They are furious with mm-hmm. him for that, and so they don't want to repeat that mistake. It's like, what yeah. did we buy? What did we buy? <laughs> I want, you know, I want my money back. What did I buy? Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so you know, she did say that she believes that. That the in a, in, a, in Roe v. Wade, she has not made a specific statement about Roe v. Wade, but she did say that she believes that the life of a child, which includes a fetus, is on a similar level as the life of the mother. So that right there, you know, that's where that that's the loophole. The whole mm-hmm. thing is going to get overturned on that. The, if, mm-hmm. if you that you're going to be protecting the life of the child, and it's it's such a dishonest. I'm not going to even get into that, but yeah. so dishonest. We could, do, we could do a whole show on that. Yeah. We should probably um, do that with a woman on the show, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Preferably one who's had an abortion. You can talk to us about how they felt about it. Yeah, because that's, um, uh, I can't even imagine going through that. But, you know, the, uh, you know, anyway, that's a whole other thing. We can talk about that another time. Yeah. And okay. So her next, her next point is that she believes in the Constitution over precedent, which I think is the basic textualist, originalist interpretation. And she mm-hmm. says, I tend to agree with those who say that a justice's duty is to the Constitution and that it is thus more legitimate for her to enforce her best understanding of the Constitution rather than a precedent she thinks clearly is in conflict with it. Wow. Wow. That that just opens the floodgates then, right? That just opens the floodgates because if that, then anything, right? Because that means basically the precedent, if precedent goes out the window, which is so wild because precedent and stare decisis is the basis of our entire legal system. So to be able to say like, oh yeah, you know what? We're just going to throw that out the window because my belief on it is X, Y, and Z, I think is madness. And and it also goes back to that same argument, I think that that we hear a lot out of the right, which is this, uh, because- the 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 textual the textual argument is they like the textual argument because it bolsters their position right that's why they like the text textual argument because they don't like things to change and so the constitution was written at a time when right three fifths of 
of, of a black person was counted in the mm-hmm. census, right? So this is when this is this is the era, and so that is if you are a conservative who doesn't like change, then that is a win for you to be a to be a um, to be exactly. a. But but I but I I want to also just touch a little bit on uh, the, uh, on the before we transition into look at my watch now, but transition to the climate change discussion. But I think that the. Uh, one of the things that we argue that you argued actually in the piece that we wrote uh, that we wrote everybody should check out that piece by the way um, that we wrote that we that we, that you and I wrote is that you know they are off the the party of the free market they're the, the like right, they're the party of the free market until fossil fuels become right. but, but, but it, it is no longer competitive in the market then they are no problem they have no problem with doling out subsidies propping it up right so again well, bad is, faith bad faith bad faith that's why i don't buy this textualist argument i think that's bullshit well, i think it's it, it's about hierarchy and it's about maintaining that hierarchy it absolutely is. And, you know, going back to Steven Pinker again, he talks about how mm-hmm. language is how we think. You know, the words we use, the language we use is how we think. And language, the meanings of words has changed in the last couple of hundred years since the Constitution was written. So a lot of judges are going to say, well, plainly, this, you know, this is what this word means. But the originalists will go back and say, oh, no, actually, that word meant something else back then. And mm-hmm. so what they're doing is essentially they're, they're not only rolling back the changes in society, but they're also trying to roll back the changes in the language whereby we would understand something like privacy, for example, to, mm-hmm. to extend to a woman's uh, uterus. You know, that's right. a, pri- a basic privacy right. And they might say, well, no, that was only meant to, to cover somebody's papers and effects or, or whatever. And so so mm-hmm. it's just, oh, I mean, it's it, the originalist textualist thing is, is it's a lie. It's a dodge. Absolutely. It's, a, it, it, it's bad faith. It's bad faith. And it's always just masquerading the point. And we hit on this over and over again. And we will keep hitting on this because I think this is the most critical thing for, for, for people who care about progress and who care about actual sort of human flourishing and outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. For people is to realize that this is not a group of people who is interested in your happiness or my happiness or anyone's right. happiness or anyone's rights. This is not a group of people who... Is arguing in good faith. You can't walk around and say like, "Oh, by the way, right?" Like uh, the, the Second Amendment's an obvious example. Like what a militia meant in, uh, you know, during the civil during in, in eighteen hundred is a lot different than what a militia means today, right? What right. Uh, like right? These sort of concepts evolve, and so because society evolves. But if you are in the business of not wanting society to evolve because historically you have had power in that society, well, then right. of course you want to do an originalist interpretation. Of course, that bolsters your position. Or if you are the person who, who reaping, who's reaping the money the way the market is set up right now, well, of course you like free markets. But as, mm-hmm. soon, as, free, but as soon as the free market is Turns against, against you, you. Yeah. now you hate free markets. Now yeah. you're like, oh no, let's get out, let's get subsidies, let's prop up big oil, like, come mm-hmm. on, bad fucking faith, man. A bottomless fucking pit of bad fucking faith. Yeah, and, and so the, the last, her last quote has to do with, and this is really scary because, you know, this is directly related to hierarchy and authoritarianism, which is she is against Miranda rights. She thinks that, uh, yeah, 
She is against Miranda rights, if you can believe it. So she thinks that people who confess or say things, even if they weren't Mirandized when they were arrested, you know, that evidence should be able to be used by the state. So she's taking a heavy-handed position in favor of wow. cops, in favor of law enforcement, in favor of, you know, just changing this, changing all the rules. I mean, because so many people have been, you know, uh, uh, abused by the cops and lied to by cops and not read their rights. And, you know, those cases are thrown out. And it's a good thing because I'm not in favor of letting people go who are guilty. But if you, if there was a confession that was uh, coerced or that it was uh, uh, obtained under false pretenses, you know, that, that's, that's, that just encourages police corruption. So again, she's, you know, her, her stated record is that she is for, you know, in, increasing this kind of uh, law enforcement corruption. So that, that, that is, <laughs> that is so awful. And, you know, uh, I, it's a criminal, criminal procedure, at least at Georgetown is called criminal procedure is basically the, you know, you go through the fourth amendment and uh, what, what, what uh, what is a reasonable search and seizure, right? And there's a whole Supreme Court jurisprudence about this, uh, uh, including stuff written by um, by uh, by by Justice Ginsburg, the late Justice Ginsburg. Um, you know, it's called the fruit of the, the poisonous tree doctrine, which is basically mm-hmm. like if 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 uh, if there is an arrest that is um, that is. Uh, the result ultimately of with the ultimate result of an illegal sort of action on the part of the police then that sort of invalidates the validity that now that arrest becomes invalid and so but that now that sounds like oh that sounds great but the problem of course is that there's also in that same jurisprudence the police have no obligation to tell you the truth they have to mirandize you but that you know the miranda you know i remember reading miranda versus arizona and it's just really like powerful to literally like in law school right and literally just read that because like, those were just written into the opinion like right like you have mm-hmm. the right to remain silent you have a right that was like written in the opinion and they and the cops just took that out of the opinion and put it into their cards that they read um right and so it's really powerful to sort of just read that but 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 most of Supreme Court jurisprudence is not nice to suspects. It really isn't. Like police officers have an unbelievable amount of latitude, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's setting aside, and that's just the, on the legal side. Setting aside the soft power that they have, um, when and when and the credibility that they just get by showing mm-hmm. up in the uh, in the in the courtroom, and uh, and 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 the only reason why that sort of be, that that tide has been slowed is because of everyone has cameras now. So you can't, it's harder to falsify a report if it's Mm -hmm. all on tape. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's terrifying that that's where she is on this because that is authoritarian as fuck. It, it, it is. And so it's, it's just like, you know, and, and I think we can understand that the way that this is connected, you know, you would think that, oh, well, something involving police procedure is not connected to, you know, her theocratic I, bullshit. I mean, they are connected. This yeah, is about, this is about wanting to just increase state power, increase, you know, uh, law enforcement power. And that is, you know, that is, of course, the goal of the Trump administration, the goal of Republicans generally. That's why the cops support Trump. I mean, they, they love this. They, they're, they're tired of having to follow these pesky rules. And, you know, Absolutely. They, they just want to throw these people in, lock them up, throw away the key. You know, so <clears throat> anyway, uh, the, uh, I'll, I'll wrap that up because I know we got we to gotta move on. But the other two shortlisters are, you know, Senator Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz. And oh, I just, I... Oh, come on. Like those guys. I mean, you hacks. I mean, hacks, political hacks. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not known for their legal scholarship, you know, and, and furthermore, (laughs) you know, they, they, um, you know, 
it, it, this makes Amy Coney Barrett sound positively, you know, uh, uh, civil libertarian because Tom Cotton actually wrote a, a horrible editorial, horrific editorial in the New York Times that the military should be used to suppress civilian dissent. So that's right. you have somebody like that. I mean, talk about Miranda. He wants to throw out the whole criminal code and just arrest exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. Just arrest people. And you know, that <laughs> is going to make him a really hard target in terms of if he were nominated, right? Because that would be thrown right in his face and it would be all over the news the pressure would be really really hard on him um and so yeah. in some ways i think we ought to be happy that the, that the new york times published it or whoever published it the washington post i think it was the times. new york times it was times times published and then they later on apologized for publishing it yeah by yeah, the way. yeah yeah i think they <laughs> fired the fire the guy yeah. who uh the 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 chief the the, the station who vetted chief, it, yeah. it was yeah who vetted it they were like mm-hmm. this guy this guy got the axe so um but in some ways i mean it's nice that 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 sort of opinion got out just so we know who this guy writing, is? Yeah. Who this guy is? Well, and that's not that's not even the worst of it. I mean, he you know he he voted against the Violence Against Women Act, which, by the way, I got a I got another axe to grind right here right now about that. Is the that we should not have a Violence Against Women Act? Okay, we should have a Violence by Men Act. Hmm. Yes, words really matter. Interesting. interesting. Words do matter, right? That's really important because, right? Because the, the it's it's a difference between the active voice and the passive voice, and that really makes a huge difference there, right? Because the violence against women almost makes women or the victims makes women sound. It makes them sound complicit or something. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. You're not even talking. She should have worn something different, right? Who's doing she this? Shouldn't have worn that dress. Are aliens attacking women? I mean, who's doing this? You know, right? <laughs> it's like exactly, exactly. It's always men, um, and it's usually, and and. And, it's, and, and there's also this sort of trope or this myth on the right that they like to say, like, as if it's like these shadowy men in the wood, it's like coming, jumping out of like cars and, and out of alleyways and raping women. Like, no, it's not that. It's the people that they're close to, right? People they know, members, people they live with. It's their family members, boyfriends, it's their husbands. That's who it is. And that's yeah. who they don't want to say in the Men's Violence Against Women's Act, right? Yeah. The husbands, the husband and yeah, boyfriends. That's what it should be. The husband and boyfriends against uh, violence uh, against women. Yes, that's what it should be. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? The, imagine how <laughs> Republicans would freak the fuck out oh if you proposed a, a husbands and boyfriends act, violence <laughs> act. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that would be. It, it would just be laughed right out of the committee. Like, they would just just know. Like, they're like, wait, how would I possibly rape my wife then? You know, yeah. I, I was, I, you know, how could I possibly sexually abuse my family if I, if that, if I did that? So, you know, I've been yeah. watching with my wife. I've been watching this show. Um, it's on Netflix. It's excellent. With, uh, it's called Space Force. And oh, really? Um, oh my God! It is so excellent. Steve Carell. It is. In a, it is really. They. They just barely changed the names of Pelosi, Schumer, um, all the characters, right? All oh, the gotta watch and it. And they do it so well, Sean. They nail it. It is so good. But the bottom line is, is that a couple of the lines that he says was like, you know, Steve Carell is like kind of like he is in the office, but he's a little bit, but he's, but he, he's, he's, he has redeeming qualities. He's a complicated character. But the bottom line is he's a couple of things that he says that like really stuck out to me. He said one thing, he's like, well, if you can't rape your wife, then who can you rape? So, and, and, he, and, and he was making a joke, right? We like, shouldn't you, be laughing at that. Yeah, we shouldn't like, be laughing at that it's because it's not funny. It's but, not funny but, at but, all. But, but, but it's a political show and it absolutely is attacking Republicans and conservatives. It is making yeah. fun of the Trump administration. So the point of him saying that is precisely because that is the kind of thing that comes out of the Trump administration. And, right. he's, you know, and he also says, uh, he was, he's walking through NASA, 
and mm. or through Space Force actually because they've they've created mm-hmm. a Space Force just like you know the joint he's a joint chief of staff essentially mm-hmm. and he's like and he's walking through there and he's and he's like oh no no don't talk to the scientists they're too committed to reason you know <laughs> and it's like he literally says that and like he's making these jokes right because like and, and because they're so salient today because it's exactly mm-hmm. what we're dealing with and black it's definitely black humor but it's totally worth a watch go for it definitely worth a watch Lindsay and I have been like cracking up every Sunday watching this I think we need something like that because this the only way to get rid of this is you know uh, the, the anxiety the constant anxiety so is just true gallows humor and other comic relief like that exactly all right so anyway our last guy on the on the list you know there's there's, there's a list of 20 we'll post it in the show notes but mm-hmm. uh, Ted Cruz is another shortlister and again he's got the same problems as Tom Cotton exactly you know? Same problem. I mean, just, so and, you know, and yeah, it, it, just a piece of garbage. And a guy who's willing to celebrate. This is a guy. Can you imagine being his wife? It's like you know, this is the guy who like made the, the the president made fun of your wife and called her ugly or whatever he did. And horse and face this, or whatever horse <laughs> face. And then he just bends over and just takes it like yeah. no problem. He's like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. He's like, I don't got, care. They, they all got the rings yep. around the mouth. I'll just you know? kiss your ass. No problem. <laughs> no problem. It's yeah. It's just so despicable. Him, Lindsey Graham, all these characters. You know. <laughs> unreal yeah no it's unreal well and so we have the, we, we have to talk about the stakes for this because you know it's obviously horrible for for women but it, it's horrible for all of us because we have climate change climate change exactly is, you know, again pushed off the front page except for right. not re- well we had the fires on there but you know again they try to pretend that the fires have nothing to do with climate change yeah. nothing to do with it you know, and, and what's crazy is it's, it's becoming which, what's gratifying is that and is that for people like you and I, you and me, is that, you know, it is gratifying to finally see people pay attention. It mm-hmm. takes the it takes uh, San Francisco looking like literally like a picture from Mars for people to say like, oh, wait a second. This is real. Like this is yeah. actually happening. And I think. Because the problem with climate change is uh, climate change is like smoking cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and and, and, and it, is, it is so analogous because, and it's not like doing heroin, right? So like when you <laughs> smoke it, when you like when you smoke a cigarette, and the, but heroin and nicotine are equally addictive. There's really no real difference between those two in terms of their ability mm-hmm. to addict a human being, but. But of course, the effects of smoking are far long off, and people start smoking. So I got this right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People start smoking at age sixteen, seventeen, and back then, when you're sixteen and seventeen, of course, you don't think anything could possibly hurt you, and so you smoke. And then next thing you know, you're fifty or sixty or seventy, and you have emphysema. But again, it's a, it's a long way off, and we human beings are 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 you know evolutionary des- evolutionarily designed to discount future harms, and, and right. right, and it is how our brains work. Unfortunately unfortunately. And climate change works the exact same way. It is not easy to fully grasp the concept of climate change. First of all, brains that were just not meant to grasp concepts that were that big in general, that we, our brains just didn't develop in that environment, right? Um, and then so we developed in places where we saw that we lived with the same 150 people in the same like 10 mile radius for our entire life, right? So it's like, and go ahead. It's, it's bird in the hand versus bird in the bush. It's always that, it, and that that goes way back in our evolution. Um, it's you so know, it's true. the same kind so of so true caveman math or cavewoman math, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like uh, three bears went into cave, two come out, not safe to go in cave. You know, this is the same kind of calculation that people make when they say, oh, I can have this now or I can have this in 10 years. And exactly. now is much better. Now, it, mm-hmm. now as you get to eat, you get to live, you get to continue. Uh, so evolutionarily, it's, you know, now is what we want, uh, uh, prosperity now. And so what's happened is they've presented this false choice 
you know, this false choice uh, that mm-hmm. they've, 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 they have played expertly on that false choice that people are making. What they don't realize is that, you know, for a very, very small additional, you know, 2% of world GDP, we could, we could, we could solve this problem forever. Or we exactly. could have, I don't know if we can solve it now. It's literally gotten to the point where we've waited so long and just these delay tactics have been so bad that um, we may actually be, have passed a tipping point. We won't know. We won't know until the future whether that's true. But what one thing is for sure, if we had taken 2% of global GDP and put it towards our solving climate change, starting in the 70s or 80s, uh, we'd, be, we'd be done. Exactly. We'd be fine. And, and you know, I, you mentioned this in the article. I ended up cutting it, but I thought it was a really, really good point. And that was, and so it's worth pointing, pointing out here, and is that uh, if we could have just pay, if we could just pay the fossil fuel industry to go away, Mm-hmm. And they would cost so much for us to do that, but it would be worth it and it would be cheaper. It would mm-hmm. be cheaper than what we are going to face as a civilization in the future. It would have been the same thing with the Trump administration. If we had just paid them when Trump came down the fucking Gulf Global Golden Escalator, if we had just said, look, we'll just pay you to go away, that would yeah. have been cheaper and it would have cost a lot of money, but it would have been cheaper. Well, we talked about this, the pandemic, you know, having impacts of $8 trillion or whatever it is. And Mm so, you know, we could have literally written a check from the U.S. Treasury right now to $100 billion and say, you guys leave the country, get the fuck out of here, never come back. You know, and we would have been $7.9 trillion ahead. Exactly. And we're just one. We're in a similar situation with climate change. If we just mm-hmm. pay these fossil says, you know, get on a fucking spaceship to Mars and never come yep. back and we'll yep. pay you, you know, multi-trillions of dollars to do that. Uh, we would, the world would be way ahead of the game, but you know, it is, it's like, you'll find out in this article. I mean, uh, and I'm not going to go through it point by point because we're getting pretty close to the end, but I, I just want to encourage everybody to go read it because you got to understand that Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. is pretty much the fossil fuel mafia personified. And his little boy Trump over here is just a, is just a bit player as far as he's concerned. You know, he's personally worth about a trillion dollars and that makes, it puts Jeff Bezos to shame. Exactly. I mean, and not only is he worth a trillion dollars but he's got a whole country and a, and a nuclear arsenal of nuclear weapons behind him exactly. so uh the, the guy is literally he's the king of the world right now there's no question about he it. really really is he really is and i think that's super important because i think that a lot of we we talk about on this show and and you and i talk about online during the week and to each other um and we commiserate about things like patriarchy and and racism and uh feudalism and all the things that the gop has uh, evolved into uh, being all about Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't talk about any of this without talking about the fossil fuel, fossil fuel mafia, because that is behind the entire thing. Right. And, and, and I, I always try and stay away from doing this thing where like, there's a shadowy room, some smoke filled room. It's not like, like that. Like, like, you know, sitting there like this, it's not like that. It's it, it, that I'm not, we're not, we're not going to do what the GOP does and like, and just set up straw men and boogeymen to get upset about and then get upset and then, and, and get pissed off about that. Like we're talking about an entire, a network, an industry of people who are just, you know, power hungry. Yes. But also just people who want to get rich and people who are, who don't really fully understand the impact of what they're doing, or if they do, they don't care. But the bottom line is 
you got folks like this around the globe from Saudi Arabia, the United States in particular, Saudi Arabia, United States, and Russia. And these that trifecta of petroleum-driven economies um, are, in a lot of ways, uh, the, the, this entire shebang that we're dealing with right now, and we mm-hmm. talk about this in the article, the entire shebang that we're dealing with right now with the Trump administration and the, uh, certainly the environment is is all about that, and, and particularly uh, Putin, right? Particularly Putin, because Putin is... Uh, his entire, and we talk about this in the article as well. We won't go through it point by point here, but his entire economy is is in, is entirely premised on oil. It will not. It, the, 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 the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union. Wow, Freudian slip there. Um, the 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 uh, the uh, the uh, Russia will cease to be a relevant factor without oil flowing yeah. through the world seems to well, become a relevant factor. Uh, the first thing I, I you know, as, as you were talking, I was thinking about is that um, this is all happening out in the open. No, this is no secret. I mean, there's no, so you, you can trace the transactions, you know, you of where the money's flowing, uh, who's paying who, what, I mean, there is dark money for sure. And there's a whole, you know, underground, uh, you know, money system uh, of, of, you know, tax havens and all that kind of stuff that Russia takes advantage of. Okay. But, but, but this stuff is largely out in the open uh, and, and everybody can see it. And, if you think about it, uh, the, what the wealthy have always had, their job has always been, you know, in a democracy, you've got to convince, you know, 50% plus one person to vote for the wealthy. And how do you do that? You know, it's Christianity, it's, it's men's rights, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pleasing, pleasing the majority uh, enough to make them vote for you to rip them off and rob them blind. And that's what the Republicans have become expert at. And then they're starting to realize, you know, as the demographic transition took place, as women become more empowered, as civil rights happened, that they started losing elections. And mm-hmm. so what are they going to do about it? Disenfranchisement. You know, all of these things have to do with maintaining this position of the wealthy on top of the heap and being able to continue to, to mine fossil fuels and, and destroy the world. And so uh, the, 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 it's no accident that the right has suddenly become just more and more reactionary because they're just, they're appealing, you know, for, as they cut off, as they disenfranchise voters, they no longer have to be accountable to those voters. And so they're only accountable to the ones that they stole out of vote, which are the, you know, the, the white men, you know, exactly. Uh, and so the they're people, whole t- the people who finance them, right? The people who finance them, which are, which are exactly those people, right? The, the there's, there's never wealthy. enough. There's never mm-hmm. enough of the wealthy. You have to, you got to get, you got to get Joe Schmo to back so you. So true. So true. So true. And, and, and you do that via, um, via wedge issues, right? Abortion or mm-hmm. uh, racism. Um, and, and, you know, I'm reading that Du Bois book, the, um, the, re, the, the history of reconstruction in the United States. Yes. And he really get really, and I've been listening to it a lot and it really just gets into this issue in terms. And also the other, the, the other book is maybe we'll put this in the show notes to the white trash book. White um, trash. Yeah. Really, it really, it really gets at the alliance that the wealthy capitalists um, from the North and the South made with white men and said, like, look, mm-hmm. if you work for us, we'll take care of you. And don't worry, you'll never be black. Right. right. You will always have somebody below you. You will never be the bottom of the totem pole. And mm-hmm. that is the unholy alliance. And here we are. I mean, and so why when people try anyone who tries to threaten that that alliance who mm-hmm. tries to who tries to undo that ba- that balance mm-hmm. um, they lose their 
shit. And it, and it's, it, 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 that's why it seems so un- irrational to us mm-hmm. on the other side of it, why they get so upset. But when you put it in the context of hierarchy, it all makes sense. You're trying right. to take away the one chip that the poor white man has. You're trying to take away that one chip. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing he's got. Right. Yeah. He's but he's oppressed. He's just oppressed as you are, but he just gets to feel better about it. So they just appeal to that over and over again. And over they, and over. They needle him. They poke him and needle yeah. him and prod him and go, "Oh my God, these women are taking over. These blacks are taking mm-hmm. over. You're losing your rights. You know, yep. America is not going to be America." Mm-hmm. And and what they mean by that is uh, white people aren't going to be in charge anymore. Exactly. That is the entire dog foghorn of the of the Trump administration and why he is going after the 1619 project. Why exactly. he loves the Confederate statues. All of these symbols he's going after, these are symbols. It's like, of I'll white give supremacy. you symbols of white, I'll give you your symbols of white supremacy if you let me rob you blind. Exactly, exactly. And that's, the, and that's the deal. That's the deal. And that's the deal that we as progressives here are trying to, that we're, that we're trying to undo, that we are trying to demand our seat at the table. And, and, and you know, this Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the fight that we're going to see evolve over the next two, mo- two months, we're going to see this in real time, mm-hmm. in real action. We're going to watch this unfold against the backdrop of the pre- actual presidential election it's yeah. going to be it's going to be remarkable it's going to be bloody it's going to be and so look i mean i think for everyone out there too and i know we're at the end of time we're really at the end of time here but yeah you know, i just want to like everyone out there who is listening to this right like we it's just, this is really is a five alarm fire right this is everyone needs to get out of their seat and get involved and there's mm-hmm. many many ways that we can do that right like i mentioned earlier we can call uh we can call people right we can vote we can make sure that our friends vote we can and we should speak out online and we could speak out and in, in person and we should do this sort of thing um and we have to i think also uh you know and listen to what we're talking about here, because if you understand the nature of the problem, mm-hmm. right, we understand, and that's what we're talking about here on the radical secular, right? Understanding the nature of the beast and stop trying to think about that, that the, the opposition that we're facing in terms as if we're fighting against ourselves. We're not fighting against people that are thinking the same way we are. No. And, we're, and what we're trying to talk about here on the radical secular is how that the worldview that we're fighting against is, 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 is fact proof it is mm-hmm. re- is reason proof it yeah. is it is compassion proof that is not it just is look at what you're dealing with here um you're dealing with everybody wants to make this about a liberal justice versus a conservative justice and blah 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 like this is some procedural thing no this is about trillions of dollars pure and simple trillions exactly. of dollars are at stake and if we get a champion of the people uh, if we get Joe Biden elected and if we get a Supreme Court justice who is a champion of the people in the mold of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it is going to cost these people trillions of dollars over the next decades uh, as they lose their fossil fuel, um, as the fossil fuel mafia gets put out of business. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really what this is about. It can, it's not about abortion. That, that's a side effect. Okay. Exactly. It, it's, side. An impor- it's an important one. For women and, and for critical, men, it's critical. critical, but 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 that is not what we're talking about here. We're mm-hmm. talking about cold, hard cash mm-hmm. and the heavy boot of the fossil fuel mafia coming down and taking over our country at the behest of Vladimir Putin. And absolutely, absolutely, and 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 
we talk about this in the article and you should definitely please do read it. Um, it's it's uh, not that long of a read, but I think it's really important because we talk about the, the authoritarianism that we're seeing mm-hmm. rise around the world and in the United States is directly linked to this, right? Because democracies, mm-hmm. we won't vote for oil. We all... We as a as a as a planet want to move on, right? There is right. money to be made. There is prosperity mm-hmm. to be had. There is a clean mm-hmm. environment to be had. That's what we want. But that's why authoritarianism is the tool of the uh, of the fossil fuel mafia because then people can't vote, and so we don't have a right. voice anymore. And so that is why this is so important and so critical. This election is so critical. This yeah. seat is so critical. And yeah. um, I guess I'll just let I'll uh, shut up now. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's really, I mean, we, we, we will do a whole show on this and we need to because, you know, this was just sort of tacked on the end, but it really is, a, it's an important part of what, uh, you know, what the stakes are. And so we've, I think we've said it all. So once again, I want to remind you to make sure and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure and hit that red subscribe button and be sure to give us a five-star rating. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Tell your friends and family about our show. Word of mouth does matter. And check out the Just Words Fallacy Medium publication. The link is in the show notes. And look, thanks everybody for being here. And remember, wherever you are, you too can be radically secular. You've been listening to The Radical Secular, a podcast dedicated to the separation of church and state and the pursuit of justice. For full video episodes, please subscribe to our YouTube channel.